0: Welcome to Revealing Balance, a student run podcast that exposes the, re- the reality of school life. On today's episode, we'll be expressing our thoughts on high-stake testing and school policies, a policies with a special guest.
1: For our special guest today, we would like to welcome board member Asia Norton to the podcast. Board member Norton is a Newark native and currently sits as a Newark school board member. In previous years, she taught at various charter schools. She strives to build a strong student, parent, and teacher relationship in order to ensure the success of all Newark students.
2: Thank you, Jennifer, for that introduction. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you so much all for inviting me here, uh, for um, seeing my perspective as valuable to add to this, convers- this conversation, this dialogue. I'm excited. Um, just I note, y'all all look beautiful. Um, I wish we could be in person, but um, as you well know, this circumstance doesn't allow, and so, I'm appreciative of this this virtual possibility for us to still have these type of conversations. and so thank you for allowing me to be a part of it. Thank you.
0: yeah, of course, I think it's important that you know board members um, get a grip on reality of what's going on in schools because it brings a closer relationship to what's actually going on so i think it's yeah.
2: important yeah most certainly I, I, I completely agree and i i appreciate the get a grip uh comment <laughs> i appreciate that um do y'all mind i know this is the podcast but do y'all mind telling me what schools y'all go to
0: yeah science park i
2: okay. go to north star washington park high school okay
0: no i go, I go to Central High School. I my high
2: Okay, nice, awesome. And so um, I can begin talking, but I would love to know the direction that we're going in so I can make sure that we're hitting on topics that are important to this conversation.
0: Yeah, thank you. Actually, we have some questions for you. I actually wanna start with, we would like to know if you have any personal experience with structural racism specifically in education as a student or as an advocate.
2: I, that's a great question, <laughs> and the answer is is yes. I don't think anyone, I don't think any black or brown person in America can go cannot go through what you just mentioned, um, one way or another. And sometimes, even if it's not direct, it is something that can be indirect with policies that people put in place or funding, um, missed opportunities, etc. But I will say so I. As was mentioned earlier, I was born and raised right here in the city of Newark, particularly the South Ward. And um, my mom, I was a actually I was a struggling learner. I reached the fifth grade barely knowing how to read. Um, I went to Maple Avenue School, and my mom had to make the decision of putting me or finding other educational institutions or um, after school programs to to help me catch up. And so even though that might not have been someone directly calling me a name or preventing me from uh, obtaining an education, uh, there, are, there were structures I put in place that allowed me to reach the fifth grade barely knowing how to read. And my mom being an educator herself, and so I'm third generation teacher in my family. My grandmother taught here in Newark. My mother continues to be a teacher right here in the city of Newark. And because of her background as an educator, she knew that she had to find other avenues for me and um, how things are how schools are funded, teacher trainings, that's another thing that sometimes that gets left out of the conversation because people enter the education field being a teacher with well intentions, but if someone's not teaching them how to teach, then it's kind of setting them up for, for failure. And so all of that kind of led to me being in the fifth grade and being a struggling learner. And it was truly the blessing of my mother and her love and her dedication that allowed me to continue on my education. I went to private schools for the remainder of my education career after the fifth grade. And I do not I'm truly not sure where I would be as a person if it wasn't for her making those intentional decisions.
0: Yeah, thank you for such a great answer. And I completely agree with you because growing up I had ADHD and I used to have behavioral issues because of that, I was always so hyperactive. And when I would act out, instead of actually taking the time to try and put me in like some sort of program to help me grow out of those habits, they would just suspend me or they would just put me in in school suspension. And that wasn't really helping because if you just throw a pack into someone's face, they're not really learning anything.
2: Yeah. And then also, so I went to, um, a Catholic high school out in Scotch Plains, being Catholic regional high school and, uh, Catholic schools, you had to pay money for. And my father had actually died from a drug overdose, um, when I was 12 years old and my mom used the money that she received from SSI, um, because of his death that I received as a child to, to pay for that. And so, And so that alone, how that institution of criminalizing um, black and brown people for having drug addictions. Um, My father, he went to jail and he didn't go to a hospital for treatment. And so all those indirect ways of institutionalized racism plays a part in a child's education um, and what they're able to do and what they're not able to do and their family home situation.
0: Yeah, And that's just so sad because statistically white people do more drugs than black and brown people so it's just like it's crazy how when a black and brown person does it they're just they hold that that picture of what we're supposed to be but when a white person does it they're so quick to jump on it yeah and i think it's sad because you never see anything about white people doing drugs on the news or anything so it's just it's crazy
2: Yeah, because they're being treated as as a victim of circumstance. And so it's like, oh, this is sad that you have this drug addiction. And so let's treat it, versus Black and brown people are treated as criminals. Like, how dare you have this addiction and not seeing them as victims of the addiction? Thank you so much for your question. Thank you. And for your story, too. (laughs)
1: Building off your experience of structural racism in education, What was your experience as an educator in Newark public schools? Were there any signs of inequality or injustice that really spoke to you? Um,
2: And so I, just as a disclaimer, I was not a teacher directly in Newark public schools. I taught at North Star um, for three years. I was a kindergarten teacher at North Star. um, And then I was a teacher at KIPP New Jersey for three years. I taught kindergarten there too. And then I did some community advocacy work at Mary P. Thomas. And so, just to give that background, but um and so I will say this, and I want to preference um I always my I've always appreciated my colleagues, um no matter what school that I worked with, um whether you're a teacher or a student, no matter where you are, you rely heavily on your colleagues to help um your growth, your development. But I will say the first year that I was a teacher, um it was at a north North Star school. And you know, I was one of the founding teachers. And so it was only kindergarten in my school. And um, every classroom, there were three classrooms, and every classroom has two teachers. Um, and so in total, there will be six teachers um, in this one building um, for that first year. You guys want to guess how many Black teachers there were um, my first year of teaching? Of course, including mm-hmm. myself. How many? Wow. Maybe two. I said only you. You said, Emmanuel said only me, Jennifer, you said too. Um, I was the only one. I was the only Black teacher um, in this um, public school in the heart of the city of Newark. And again, I don't want to to, to make it seem as though my, my colleagues, that they didn't provide a, an equitable education for the students in their classroom because they did. To this day, I am very close with these individuals but it means something. And I remember considering leaving that building for purposes that had nothing to do with the actual school um, itself. But um, I will never forget during, at the kindergarten graduation, my mom was there and I have a son. He's currently, he'll be 10 actually in a few days, wow. Um, But she was there at the graduation holding my son and he was probably only about two or three years old at this time. And one of the parents had approached her and said, oh, so which one is your baby? And she said, well, my daughter is, the, is, um, is one of the teachers. So my mom being black, the, um, the parent assumed like, okay, so your daughter is the black teacher. And she said to um, my mom, like, I'm happy that she's here because our students need to see at least one black teacher. And so I decided to stay in that building mostly because of that comment. Um, in the in the prior and then the year after that, the my school principal at the time she I guess saw how that was baffling for to have a building, a school building in the city of North with black which service black and brown students and to only have one teacher who is mostly reflective of the of the student population and so the principal did take initiative and she did hire more teachers more um, black and brown teachers that following year. But I do think that was probably the most upfront um, observation of, well, and it it could be for a number of reasons, how many people go off to college to become teachers, Um, how many, and so to become a teacher, you have to have a college degree, no matter what that is at bare minimum, you have to have a college degree, but what are we doing in our in our communities, and our education institutions, whether it be in K to 12 or college to promote black and brown um, individuals to get into the teaching profession. And when it comes down to hiring practices, how intentional are we being in hiring black and brown um, educators? And so just to go off the um, being a board member, I most certainly have advocated for us to have those intentional um, best practices And so we have uh, relationships with historically black colleges, HBCUs, to do a better job in recruiting black and brown teachers and and also in other areas in the country that may produce um, high quality teachers from diverse backgrounds to come to the city of Newark. And so we definitely have gotten better in the district to hiring more teachers who are reflective of the student population um, but I'm not saying we're at a a great at a great position, but we're definitely improving.
1: I wanted to build off your point of having more black and brown teachers because over the years of me being at North Star, I've been at North Star since kindergarten. So I'm I was, not in high
2: which building? I've been teacher right? <laughs>
1: I was in Valesburg. Oh, okay, nice. So over the time I've seen like many more black and brown teachers come into the school. And this has allowed us to like have like programs and activities to actually like talk with the teachers and like like gain more like connections with them. And it also has allowed us to like, you know, learn more about our culture, you know, different cultures, like black and brown people. And it's allowed us like, you know, now like, in Black Lives Matter, we actually have to like have like meetings with each other and like, you know, we're able to like talk more and like connect with each other because we're all black and brown students, you know.
2: Yeah. And so North Star, when I was there, they actually started to do, um, for their summer programs, um, the teachers that they recruit for their um, summer schools, they do recruit directly from HBCUs. I do know that they have relationships with Spelman College down in Atlanta. And a lot of my co-workers over the years have been from historically Black colleges because of that intentionality. And then also, so we're kind of like focused on the city of Newark and the the school pop in our education system, but it's also important that school systems in Montclair, Maplewood, Scotch Plains um, also have black and brown teachers um, in their classrooms as well. And so it's not only just important for students in our community to have a diverse teacher population, it's just something that's important throughout the country, no matter where you live, no matter what your economic background is. Um, there's just so many studies that show that when students have diverse teachers, um, educating them that their perspectives of the world of society and of themselves, it's just enhanced that much more. And so that is something in general that i also, I'm always trying to promote students to become teachers <laughs> because it's like, oh yes, there's doctors, there's lawyers, but who's going to educate the next generation. And so for anyone who's listening right now, who's in high school or in college, considering going into the education fields and doesn't have to be a lifetime commitment, but it would, it is, it was beneficial not just for yourself, but for the children whom you're serving.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. It is true because we don't want to give the education and the future of our kids technically to the wrong hands, because then it's going to just be a continuous cycle of oppression in our systems. And that's not what we want. So I agree with that. And also another point that you made about how you were the only black and brown uh, teacher at the school, it just goes to show how many out of how many people out of the community come in to do work for, our, you know, for the students. And it's just like, we should have more, People like you said who represent the community. Because it's actually funny, when I was a freshman in high school, 15 of the 16 books that we read were by white people and 14 of them were by white men. And that one book by a black person was just in time for Black History Month. So that was just like, wow. And then fresh, I mean, sophomore year, last year, when the whole George Floyd incident happened and when all the riots and polluting and looting started to happen that's when four of the five books at the beginning of the year were by Black people. So okay. I think it's just sad how once it takes for something like that to happen, for them to start implementing the words and the voice of Black people into the school system. It's just like they wait until the right moment. And I heard this quote by an advocate for BLM, and it was just, it hit me in a different place because he said that Black and Brown lives only matter every four years during the election. And that's just like, just sad because they that it shouldn't be that way.
2: Yeah, it, it really shouldn't. And so my, so in college, I went to Simmons College up in Boston, um, Massachusetts. And it's an all-women's liberal arts school. Um, and I majored in Africana studies, going to major in Africana studies um, in college when I was in the fifth grade. I went to Maple Avenue school. Fifth grade was like a, one of those like, uh, moments of my life that kind of determined a lot of stuff but yeah I uh, was at Maple Avenue School and my social studies teacher he um he was very big on his students knowing history and so we did like a whole I it felt like a very long time um uh, probably a few months that we that we reviewed slavery and the th- things that he was sharing with us really intrigued me and one thing and I will never. Um, forget this, his name is Eric Scrubbins, Mr. Scrubbins, and I'll never forget him saying they don't expect you to learn your history until you get to college. And so me as a fifth grader and hearing this and holding on to this, I went to high school and you take U.S. history and I enjoy history. And so I then took um, AP U.S. history and I'm thinking, you know, what is AP U.S. history? We're gonna get more into like the history, like the history the good stuff. And I lied to you not, Um, your experience um, Emmanuel was my experience. And this in my head, I'm like, this is AP US history. And it wasn't until I got to college, and I majored in Africana studies, I learned who Ida B. Wells was, and that I learned to Mary Baraka was um, Leroy Jones, the mayor's husband here in the city, I'm sorry, the mayor's um, father um, here in the city of Newark. And so and I was just really disheartened that I had to go off to college to learn um, something that was very significant not just for our country, but for my own personal identity. And it, it definitely should not be. And that's why on the district level, we are becoming more and more intentional about um, providing our students access to um, different perspectives of history. Because when you're reading books that are by um, one race or one gender or one race and gender, then you're only gonna get one aspect of history and we all know that history is a combination of multiple perspectives and so um y'all might be aware of the amistad act and that it has been on the books for a number of years but it hasn't actually been realized and so as a district we actually have developed curriculum um to help not to help we have developed curriculum that infuses not a not a topic it's not um just one book that actually infuses the, the Black and Brown experience um, here in America into the educational system. And then also being mindful that as a community, we have a diverse community here in Newark. And so we're not only like Blackness means a lot of things. It means being from the Caribbean, It means coming from um, the continent of Africa. It means having, coming from being descendants of people from south america or central america and so how do we do a better job of the curriculum being reflective of all those different types of backgrounds and not just focused on just one part
0: yeah i really think that's such a great point we should be so we should be more global with what we're learning because In U.S. history, I was expecting the same thing, to learn more about my roots, because as a Latino in America, you don't really hear anything much. The only way I hear about my background is from my family. So it's just like went to history class and learned about nothing but gold. So like (laughs) we learned about how America got rich. And who's at the top of America? White people. So it's like we're not really learning our own history. And it's sad that you have to wait on to adulthood in college to learn about the history that's been with you all throughout your life.
2: Yeah. And so I'm very I'm very happy that you have that experience with your family because that, some people don't even have that. Um, some people don't have their families. Um, their family doesn't have the ability to tell their own family history. And so that's a blessing within itself. Um, but going into school, it kind of, I feel as though schooling should be a place that brings all that together and so I do know my family's history up to a certain point point. and so my grandparents they're all from the the Jim Crow South and they migrated to the city of Newark between the 40s and the, the 70s and so my grandparents all came during that time period at different points and so not, they didn't always tell their story of why did they come to Newark or how did they get to Newark and their experiences in the Jim Crow South. Um, My grandfather, he did, he definitely shared with his grandchildren more of his story and I'm very appreciative of it. But to have that home experience of expressing your history and then going to school and being able to see how your history fits into this broader um, background it's important i'm really appreciative of yeah. these questions fyi
0: yeah i think we're all very appreciative of your answers thank you so much for being here Definitely. thank you for tuning into revealing balance make sure you tune into next week's episode for more guests and
2: enlightening conversations